Welcome to Shipwreck Sunday, where we investigate disasters at sea and the impact that they have on the world today. My name is Eleanor. Today, we will be discussing the capsizing of MV Princess of the Stars, a Filipino-owned passenger ferry that capsized in 2008, killing almost 1,000 people. Stay tuned for a detailed recollection of her entire story from start to finish. Quick disclaimer for our younger audience before we dive in. This story does include details of a maritime disaster resulting in the loss of a vessel and death that may be disturbing to some audiences. Viewer discretion is advised for those under the age of 13. Please keep in mind that I'm not a mariner or expert in the field of maritime history, but I've done my research. Okay everyone, let's dive right in. How are we digging the new format? Let me know down in the comments. As for MV Princess of the Stars, her keel was first laid down on February 3, 1984, in yard number 2904 of the Ishikawajima Harima Heavy Industries Company Limited shipyard in Aoi, Hyogo, Japan, for Shin Nihonkai Ferry. Her first name was Ferry Lilac, and she'd be the second ship to bear the name Lilac. Her predecessor entered service in the 1970s, and her successor would enter service in 2002. Ferry Lilac, as we know her right now, was a Ropax ferry, which is also called a Roro ferry or roll-on, roll-off ship meant to carry vehicles and fare well in heavy seas. At launch, she displaced 18,268 gross tons from 1984 to 1990, being refitted in 1990 and displacing 19,105 gross tons until another refit in 2004, with her final displacement being 23,824 gross tons. She was 633 feet and 2 inches long, had a beam of 91 feet and 10 inches wide, and a height of 141 feet and 1 inch, spanning 8 decks. As for propulsion, she would have SEMT Peel Stick 8PC4-2L dual engines, which ran her two 4x4 controllable pitch propellers. With this setup, she could reach an average service speed of 21.8 knots. Her capacity would change with each refit. Originally, in 1984, she could carry 554 passengers and 152 trailers. In 1990, after the first refit, she could carry 586 passengers, 186 trailers, and 136 vehicles. Finally, in 2004, she maxed out at 1,992 passengers and 160 trailers. Her IMO number was 8323161, and she'd be registered first in Otaru, Japan, with her typical route being from Maizuru to Otaru through the Sea of Japan. She was launched on March 27, 1984, being fitted out and passing her sea trials shortly after this. Ferry Lilac was ready for her maiden voyage finally, and left Maizuru on July 10, 1984 for the first time. It went well, and her service history was rather boring for the first six years of service, until she was dry docked for refit by Shin Nihonkai Ferry in February of 1990, which we mentioned earlier. During this refit, they were aiming to replicate her facilities with those of their later ships, which were doing financially well. To do this, they enlarged the common areas as well as redesigning them to be more modern. They added large corridors with sea views, a brand new outdoor swimming pool near the stern, 23 new first-class cabins, and a solarium. 
A solarium is a sunroom for those unfamiliar with the term, which is a room with lots of windows that lets in a lot of natural light but still protects you from the elements. Because of the refits, her capacity increased like we talked about earlier. She did well for 20 years in Japan until her services were no longer needed and she just wasn't profitable for Shin Nihonkai Ferry any longer. So, in 2004, she was retired from her services in Japan. But this isn't the end of her story, far from it. The Filipino company Solpicio Lines acquired her in 2004, serving as their new flagship, which displaced the current flagship MV Princess of the Universe, which was formerly the new Yamato. Under the Sulpicio Lines, her port of registry was changed to Cebu City in the Philippines, and she was assigned to the Manila to Cebu route. This route was highly competitive, serviced by flagships for other lines as well, and the competition was fierce at this time. Again, she'd be refitted, with an additional lower passenger deck being added and a cargo ramp being installed on the port side near the stern. Her capacity was greatly increased to up to 1,992 passengers, as we discussed earlier, though this was significantly lower in comparison to other Sulpicio Lines ships. For example, MV Princess of the Orient had a capacity of over 3,000 passengers when she sank. If you want us to cover this ship in the future, just let me know in the comments. After her refit, she'd be renamed to MV Princess of the Stars, and she entered service becoming the largest passenger ferry ever to hit the seas in the Philippines, despite her being smaller than some of the other ships for the Sulpicio lines later on. Because of her gargantuan size, the public was instantly intrigued, and this included crew from competing companies. At the time, her size was so noticeably different from other ships in the Philippines that it was impossible not to notice her. Her record for being the largest passenger ferry in the Philippines would remain unbroken for quite some time until the arrival of two sister ships for to-go sea solutions. The MV to-go Malagaya, formerly the Yamato and Stenanova, and the MV to-go Masagana, formerly Tsukushi, both being acquired in 2021. There's not much to say about MV Princess of the Star's career up until her sinking. It was quite uneventful for the four years between her acquisition and loss. We've gotten to the point of MV Princess of the Star's sinking in 2008. I'm going to give you just a tiny bit of backstory to really set this up nicely, so bear with me for a moment. On June 17, 2008, the Japan Meteorological Agency, or JMA for short, began to monitor a tropical depression that developed roughly 70 miles to the northwest of Palau. Later, there was a tropical cyclone formation alert issued since convective banding had continued to consolidate around the low-level circulation center. I'm not a meteorologist, but essentially the cyclone had begun to form. Early the next day, the storm was named Frank by the Philippine Atmospheric, Geophysical, and Astronomical Services Administration. And later that day, the Joint Typhoon Warning Center, or JTWC, designated Frank as Tropical Depression 07W. Not quite as jazzy as Frank, but I understand giving it a more technical name. By the end of the day, it was reported by the JTWC that Frank had moved past a tropical depression and grown into a tropical storm. And early on June 19th, it was again upgraded to Tropical Storm Feng Shen, though it would still be nicknamed Frank primarily in the Philippines. What you need to know about the storm is number one, it was poorly forecasted throughout its 10-day life cycle from June 17th to the 27th in 2008. Also, its path. 
it was forecasted to go through the Baikal region, but would later shift further westward, moving toward the Mindoro province. Before it ever reached Mindoro, it surprised everyone by shifting once more, moving northward toward Metro Manila. And this is mostly due to the weakening of the high-pressure system in the northern part of the Philippines. Overall, as a typhoon, it reached winds of up to 105 miles per hour, and as a Category 3 tropical cyclone, it reached winds of up to 125 miles per hour. It would cause $480 million in damage and kill 1,371 people, including those lost on MV Princess of the Stars, and 87 would go missing. The areas it affected were Palau, the Philippines, and in China, Hong Kong, Macau, and Guangdong. Now that you know the basics about Typhoon Feng Shen, we can move forward with how this applies to MV Princess of the Stars. Getting into this, there's going to be some figures and information that's hazy or just estimates, and I'll let you know when we get to that point. For now, MV Princess of the Stars left the port of Manila on June 20th, 2008 for Cebu City. You might be saying, but Eleanor, there's a typhoon out there. Why are they letting this ship sail? Indeed, there is a typhoon, dear listener, and it was assumed to be safe for Princess of the Stars because though Typhoon Feng Shen, or locally known as Typhoon Frank, had made landfall at Samar Island earlier that day on June 20th, Princess of the Stars' intended route was in the storm's periphery, and she was deemed large enough to survive that. However, remember earlier that Typhoon Feng Shen would suddenly change course, and that unfortunately put MV Princess of the Stars and her passengers and crew in the crosshairs. At midday on June 21st, 2008, Princess of the Stars sent out a distress signal, and curiously, radio contact with the ship was lost at 12.30pm Philippine Standard Time. Nanette Tensinko, the mayor of San Fernando, was concerned at the loss of radio contact and sent out a speedboat to investigate. They confirmed that the ship had a hole in her hull and that she was partially submerged, with several bodies floating nearby. The hole that they'd seen wasn't really a hole, it was actually the ship's bow thruster, which is a transversal propulsion device built into or mounted onto either the bow or stern of the ship to make it maneuvering easier. It's also called a maneuvering thruster in general terms, and when placed on the stern, it's called a stern thruster. The number of people aboard the ship has been left to some serious debate. Know the following figures I'm going to give you are estimates. Initially, it was reported there were between 626 to 747 passengers and 121 crew members, breaking down into 575 adults, 20 children, and 31 infants for the passengers. Later, Sulpicio Lines announced that according to the ship's manifest, there were actually 755 passengers and 111 crew, totaling 866. There's always a possibility there were more passengers aboard that just weren't listed on the ship's manifest, and this is semi-confirmed by the last made official figures, which listed the final toll being 814 dead or missing and only 56 survivors, and this would total out to 870 people on board. Again, we won't ever really know for sure, and these are just estimates. You might be asking, Eleanor, what happened aboard the ship? I know, dear listener, we skipped around a bit more than usual. Well, I'll tell you what eyewitness account states happened aboard the ship now. An account given by four survivors tells a harrowing tale, and these four had managed to swim to nearby Sibuyan Island after the ship's foundering. Originally, it was reported that MV Princess of the Stars had suffered a major malfunction, but according to these survivors, that isn't the case. 
According to them, MV Princess of the Stars ventured into heavy seas, with the swells increasing and getting more and more difficult for the ferry to handle as it neared the coast of Romblon. Around 11.30 a.m., passengers were told to don their life jackets, with the captain giving the order to abandon ship just 15 minutes later. But what happened to cause the captain to give such a drastic order? Not all ships are built for heavy seas like that, and under the intense pressures of a typhoon, no ship would stand a chance. About 30 minutes after the passengers put on their life jackets, MV Princess of the Stars began to tilt around noon. The evacuation was catastrophic. If you thought Titanic was a clustered mess, then this one will have you slamming your head into a wall. Some of the passengers were not wearing life jackets, others were diving off the ship, and some made it into life rafts. Shamefully, the crew was more concerned about saving their own skin than protecting the lives of their passengers, which I will remind you included 20 innocent children and 31 helpless infants. For an hour, as the listing continued and worsened in the continually rough seas, passengers panicked and rushed around, clueless as to what to do next since the crew was of absolutely no help to them. At about 1 p.m. in the afternoon, MV Princess of the Stars rolled completely, capsizing. According to a spokesman of the Philippine Navy, due to what was described as, quote, gigantic waves, pounding rain, and gusty winds, the Navy vessel closest to the ferry had to flee from the rescue mission. Another ship that was in the area was able to reach MV Princess of the Stars more than 24 hours after they'd lost radio contact with the ship. Armand Balilo, a Philippine Coast Guard spokesman, was quoted as saying, quote, They haven't seen anyone. They're scouring the area. They're studying the direction of the waves to determine where survivors may have drifted. Wouldn't that be horrifying? To see the ship you were just standing on capsize, and then to be swept out to sea or in any random direction by a typhoon? I'd be absolutely gutless in that situation. The ship would remain capsized, but still floating as water had yet to creep into every area of the ship. By June 23, 2008, two days after the incident, four bodies were recovered from the scene by the Philippine Coast Guard and Navy. At Burias Island, Masbate, 35 bodies and 40 survivors washed up on shore that same day, and they were recovered as well. There were other ships that capsized during the typhoon other than just Princess of the Stars, and so some of those bodies may have come from those ships as well. Some of the 40 survivors weren't from Princess of the Stars either, stating they were from MV Lake Poway, which had departed from Mendino and unfortunately sank. The following day on June 24, 2008, the Philippine Coast Guard reported to the public that they had accounted for 115 of the estimated 862 passengers and crew of the Princess of the Stars, and this broke down into 48 survivors so far, 67 confirmed dead, and roughly 747 missing. Navy divers were sent inside the upside hulk of the ship, and sadly, all they found were bodies. No one inside the vessel had survived. They found 15 bodies afloat in the dining area and two on the bridge, though it was so dark inside the eerie, capsized vessel that it would prove to be impossible to tell just how many dead were inside the ship. I can't imagine being one of those divers. It would be so creepy to hear the water lapping up against the side of the ship, the creaking metal, and the utter silence of death. I can't imagine seeing men, women, and children floating face down, lifeless. It's horrible to think about, but even worse for those who perished. A helicopter was launched from the United States military support vessel USNS GYSGT Fred W. Stockham, and this helicopter located 12 bodies floating near Maspate Island. 
But again, because other ships had sank in the storm, it's unknown if these people were from MV Princess of the Stars. Here's where it gets a bit tense. We are getting into some legal proceedings and the outrage from family and friends of those aboard MV Princess of the Stars. There were over 800 victims, and so there were over 800 families outraged by the tragedy, and they accused the Philippine Coast Guard and the Sulpicio Lines of negligence since they allowed the ship out in open waters, despite there being a typhoon tracking in the area. I don't blame them, and honestly, I'd be pissed too. I think it was just of them to make these accusations. They went a step further and also accused Sulpicio Lines of not personally informing them of the incident, the details surrounding the capsizing, and the condition of both MV Princess of the Stars and her passengers and crew. According to Sulpicio Lines counsel, the crew of the ship was never advised by the Coast Guard to stay docked, and so they sailed on. This places all of the blame on the Coast Guard, but I don't believe that's right myself. Naturally, the public was outraged. The president of the Philippines at the time, President Gloria Macapagal Arroyo, demanded an explanation for the sinking from port authorities, stating, quote, Why did you allow it to sail and why was there no ample warning? I want answers. From this statement alone, my friends, that is a badass woman I can get behind. Due to the capsizing, the Maritime Industry Authority ordered all Sulpicio Line's ships to be docked until a full investigation could be launched and completed. Filipino Vice President Noli de Castro presided over the first meeting of a newly created task force to look into the capsizing, aptly named Task Force Princess Stars. Sulpicio Lines felt the pressure, and to settle the matter quickly and quietly, they offered to pay the families of the victims each 200,000 pesos, or $4,500, in order to try to compensate for the loss of their loved ones. If Derek or my son or both died during a shipping accident, no amount of money would heal me. For me, only justice would do, and I would push to have the responsible parties face the consequences. I don't care if I lost my entire life savings, I'd get justice for the loss of my loved ones. Then again, I can be quite fierce and snappy, so this really doesn't surprise anyone who knows me well. The controversy continues, my friends. If you weren't frustrated with this situation already, then here's where you're going to really feel it. On June 27, 2008, they ceased any recovery efforts because something horrifying and incredibly dangerous was found aboard MV Princess of the Stars that never should have been there. On the ship, and now leaking out into the sea, were 22,047 pounds of a dangerous pesticide called endosulfan. Endosulfan is an off-patent organochlorine insecticide, an archaeocide, that is being phased out globally due to its acute toxicity, potential for bioaccumulation, and its role as an endocrine disruptor in the human body. It's also hazardous for the environment, and so to say it was horrifying to find this on a passenger vessel is an understatement and illegal in the Philippines. You can't have substances that are dangerous to humans on vessels that transport humans, which makes total sense. Where was this shipment going? Well, Del Monte Philippines Incorporated, the Filipino branch of the popular American processed food production company Del Monte Foods Incorporated, contracted the shipment and it was supposed to have been loaded on another Sulpicio Lines ship, the MV Princess of Paradise, but it ended up on board MV Princess of the Stars. The Philippine government announced they were considering filing charges in this incident because it is truly illegal to transport hazardous materials on a passenger ship. Someone needed to clean up the Endel Sulfan, and Titan Salvage was awarded this contract. In this contract, they were also to clean up hazardous cargo found in a second container on the ship. 
Both of these dangerous materials were found on D-Deck in MV Princess of the Stars, which is still capsized and floating at this point in time. Titan Salvage couldn't do this alone, so like the Avengers, they had to assemble a team. In this team, we have three different companies. Global Diving and Salvage, which is an American diving company that specializes in dangerous diving operations. Harbor Star, a Filipino salvage and tug company. And last but not least, a Guam-based company that specialized in mitigating hazardous chemicals and materials, South Pacific Environmental. Together, the salvage team started recovery operations for the Endal Solfan starting September 24, 2008. It was efficient, and I appreciate everyone who participated in this recovery effort for truly trying to help the environment. They finished recovering all 402 of the 25-kilogram drums from the first 40-foot container near the aft end on D-Deck on October 5, 2008, having to do this in roughly 85 feet of water. After this, they moved on to the second container in the center section of D-Deck, which was smaller and around 20 feet long and only in about 35 feet of water. Again, they removed 25 kilogram drums from this container as well, and by October 11th, they had removed all of the dangerous materials in this container. There's one more material that can be hazardous for the environment if it leaks out, and that's the ship's fuel. The salvage team of companies moved on and drilled into the ship's hull in order to safely recover the ship's roughly 200,000 liters of fuel, and this process was completed by October 17, 2008. Hats off to these men and women who worked on this process. I am absolutely fascinated by it. Once our Fantastic Avengers squad of salvagers recovered all of the hazardous materials, the body recovery effort could resume. If you don't like hearing about dead bodies, you should probably skip ahead. Divers from Harbor Star, our awesome Filipino company that helped recover the endosulfan, and divers from the Philippine Coast Guard worked from October 27th to November 10th to try to recover bodies from MV Princess of the Stars. Just remember, some of the bodies drifted away, so they unfortunately couldn't recover everyone. They were able to safely enter A, B, and C deck and recovered 199 bodies. They weren't able to enter the engine room and some other areas of the ship because it was too dangerous or just plainly inaccessible, so the bodies there remained. Quote, We are not expecting to see 500 bodies. We would be lucky to get half of that, said Philippine Coast Guard Commanded Vice Admiral Wilfredo Tamayo when he was asked about the recovery effort and how many bodies they were expecting to recover. The 199 people they recovered were stored on another ship, MV Tacloban Princess, another Sulpicio Lines ship. They were then transported to Cebu City, where forensic doctors of the National Bureau of Investigation, or NBI, and Interpol were waiting to try to identify the victims. According to Dr. Batista of the NBI, Interpol would assist and fund the DNA matching of the victims in the International Commission on Missing Persons Laboratory located in the capital city of Bosnia and Herzegovina, Sarajevo. This next bit is a bit graphic and gross, just warning you. Most of the initial bodies that were recovered from MV Princess of the Stars were already disintegrating with detached limbs or heads and rotting flesh since they spent more than four months underwater inside the belly of the ship. This makes it more difficult to identify them. The Philippine Coast Guard reported that around 350 bodies were successfully recovered, with the remainder of the victims still being trapped within the capsized ferry. Of the roughly 814 victims, this would leave 464 of them still within the ship. Only 56 survivors were reported, meaning only 6.9% of people survived this disaster. 
Almost two years after the tragedy and 13 years ago from today in May of 2010, the wreck was longitudinally cut in half and towed to shallower, safer waters, and this allowed divers to safely search more parts of the vessel to look for victims. 47 sets of human remains were recovered, badly decomposed, and they were also sent off to the NBI and public attorney's office for forensic testing. It's unclear what the results of the forensic testing are. MV Princess of the Stars was scrapped after this in 2011. There was an inquiry launched into the capsizing, and it was the five-member Philippines Board of Marine Inquiry, or BMI for short. They released a 65-page report dated August 25, 2008, that was submitted to the Maritime Industry Authority, or MARINA. In this massive report, they found Sulpicio Lines and MV Princess of the Stars' captain liable for the capsizing and deaths of over 800 men, women, children, and infants. In the report, the BMI had a recommendation from the marina to consider the suspension of the Certificate of Public Convenience, or CPC, of Sulpicio Lines in accordance with the existing laws, rules, and regulations, and its criminal liability for the sinking. They cited human error and ruled in their final report that the missing and since presumed dead Captain Florencio Merriman miscalculated the risk of continuing the trip to Cebu City despite the stormy typhoon conditions and the awareness of the public that there was a typhoon active in the area. To directly quote the report, quote, the immediate cause of the capsizing of MV Princess of the Stars was the failure of the master to exercise extraordinary diligence and good seamanship, thereby committing an error of judgment that brought MV Princess of the Stars in harm's way into the eye of Typhoon Frank. The shipping firm is found negligent for its failure to exercise its duty in ensuring that they transport passengers and cargo safely to their destination. After this, of course, Sulpicio Lines announced they were going to appeal the decision. Though I agree with the decision to suspend Sulpicio Lines activities, this could have been devastating for the shipping industry in the Philippines since Sulpicio Lines, being the second largest cargo carrier in the Philippines, accounts for roughly 40% of all cargo moving around the country. That could be a huge disruption to the supply chain and force prices to skyrocket due to increased demand. And this disruption would have greatly affected the Christmas season in the Philippines, which would have been horrible for the economy since the Christmas season is always a big boom in many countries' economies. As for the international response to the tragedy, the United States ended up donating $100,000 for the victims of the disaster through the Philippine Red Cross, which in 2023's dollars would be about $140,900.50 due to inflation. They would also send the vessel we talked about earlier, USNS GYSGT Fred W. Stockham, and a P-3 Orion Maritime Surveillance Aircraft to assist with rescue operations. The United States expressed its condolences to the Philippines and pledged there would be more assistance given in a one-on-one -on -one meeting between former President George W. Bush and President Gloria Macapagal Arroyo. The U.S. would also be sending out the naval carrier group USS Ronald Reagan to continue to assist in rescue or retrieval operations in any way they could. As for MV Princess of the Stars in modern times, the case was reopened by the Philippine Supreme Court, according to an article by the Maritime Executive on April 9, 2019. In this reinstated case, the Supreme Court reversed a Court of Appeals dismissal of the reckless imprudence case against Sulpicio Line's first vice president and team leader of its crisis management team, Edgar Goh. 
It's been asserted by not only the Supreme Court, but I think every human being alive who has a brain between their ears that this voyage should have been canceled or discouraged because of the severe weather. Go countered that the decision should not have been up to the company, but instead to the late Captain Merriman and the Coast Guard. However, the Supreme Court disagreed. They ruled there was support for reckless imprudence as Go had failed to monitor the movement of the vessel and instruct the captain to take shelter. It should be noted that Go's actions were not claimed to be malicious, but showed an inexcusable lack of precaution. I agree with this wholeheartedly. It's unclear what the results of the reopen case are. That is the end of MV Princess of the Stars' story. A tragic, tragic tale of human ignorance and an understatement of the true power of Mother Nature. What we can learn from this is that all ships should stay ashore in cases of bad weather, but since then it has happened over and over. One example of this is SS El Faro, which we covered in December. I'll leave a link in the cards. I hope this recollection can keep the story of the victims and their suffering alive so that we will never forget the mistakes of the past and we will never repeat them. Rest in peace to the victims, and I hope the families and friends of these dear ones have found not only justice, but have been able to move forward as their loved ones surely would have wanted. If you guys didn't know, we are now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the channel and myself as a creator, then go to patreon.com shipwrecksunday to sign up. I really appreciate your guys' support, monetary or not, so thank you for continuing to listen to these episodes and help me get better. Cheers! Thank you for tuning in to Shipwreck Sunday. If you liked this episode and are listening on YouTube, please give us a like, leave us a comment, and subscribe to our channel. If you liked this episode and are listening on Spotify, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, or another podcast service, please subscribe for more content and leave us a 5-star review as it does help us reach more listeners like you. If you have any ships you'd like us to cover, please leave us a comment and you might hear your favorite ship here on the podcast. Check out our community tab for updates and to interact with us. And we are also on Facebook and Instagram. Tune in next Sunday for the sinking of USS Indianapolis, a heavy cruiser that sank during World War II and left her survivors to fend for themselves in shark-infested waters. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.